What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grindline Podcast. You're listening to episode 254. I'm your host, Greg. I'm here tonight with Ryan and Tyler. And uh, we've got a short-ish show tonight. Uh, nothing super huge. We're really just waiting for the one thing that is happening tomorrow, which is the debut of Patrick Kane. Um, but the Red Wings are on a hot streak. They have now won three in a row, six of their last seven. But uh, how are you guys doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good. I, um, I took a nap. Pretty extensive nap prior to the show. My stomach was bothering me a little bit, a little, a little tummy ache, if you will. But uh, some of the color has returned to my my body, so I was feeling good enough to jump on here and uh, bless you both with my presence. So I'm pretty good, Tyler. I'm doing well. Can't complain too much. Wings are playing good. Michigan obviously was play- has been playing good as well. Just looking forward to the debut of Patrick Kane, which is still weird for me to say, but it's getting less and less weird seeing him on the ice wearing the winged wheel, or at least the um, the practice winged wheel, the awful Adidas practice jerseys. So um, looking forward to that for sure. Yeah, giving the same interview over and over and over and over again, where he's asked the same questions. And the answers are just the same because he's been asked those things already. Uh, But I think we're all that's really what we're all looking for. And again, he will make his debut. I guess we'll start that off the top. Uh, The Red Wings did tweet out. Coach Lalone confirms Patrick Kane will make his Red Wings debut tomorrow. Tomorrow being probably today by the time this is posted against the San Jose Sharks, who actually have scored um, a bunch of goals in the past three games. So hopefully they're not going to take the San Jose Sharks lightly because the Sharks have started scoring again. Now, granted, their goaltending is not great, but if you run it up early, you might be safe, but don't sit back on the San Jose Sharks. So I think where you're going to actually start. So the Sharks are officially not the last place team in the league anymore. So is it the uh, the Ducks? Chicago Chicago took over. So San Jose is 7-17 and 2 with 16 points. Chicago is 7-16 and 1 with 15 points. Yeah, the the Sharks came back from a three-goal deficit last night against the uh the Islanders. Mm-hmm. I think it was 4-1 at one point. They won 5-4 in OT. I think that says more about the Islanders than it does the Sharks to be honest. Yeah, probably. The Rokin's been human, but I don't th- I don't know if he was in goal last night, but they've been struggling of late. Well, the Red Wings are 14-7 and 3. And that is where we currently stand second in the division behind the Boston Bruins. Uh, Right now, it looks like the Tampa Bay Lightning may make up some ground, moving from probably 27 points up to 29 points. They're currently up two to nothing on the Pittsburgh Penguins. And the Florida Panthers are winning. The Panthers are really who are right behind us at 30 points. If they win tonight, they will jump us to second. But we are actually also third in the Eastern Conference, which is also just spectacular to see. Uh, tied for third place in the Eastern Conference because everyone thought we'd be in the basement. And uh, we just recently rounded it off with a, I would say a big, not really a big win in in terms of like where the other team we were playing is currently, but a big win in terms of a confidence boost where you just beat the Buffalo Sabres who handed you your ass four games last season and uh, they've been, again, chilling in the basement of the Atlantic Division this season uh, with not a lot of good looks. They lost Tage Thompson for a little bit, even when he's in. I mean, he's not the offensive dynamo that he was last season uh, as it stands right now. Their goaltending has been mediocre to bad. Their forwards don't play defense. Their defense 
barely plays defense. And you ran it up. The only issue was you then took dumb penalties and you let them claw their way back. Um, still you win 5-3, but you let them claw their way back and get three goals when you were up four to nothing. Yeah, they were as advertised. And Detroit, I think, actually held their own pretty well in it for being two of the worst teams in uh, allowing odd man rushes and breakaways. Buffalo sure did allow Detroit to really get themselves free, i.e. the Raz goal, which was beautiful. You mean finally the Raz goal? Finally, yes. Well, wow, no. fucking time. He was uh, his expression, of course, was fantastic. But seeing him finally get one home because it was what was the game, the last game, um, the Habs game where he got denied on the breakaway and then Fisher was able to slam home the rebound. Yeah. And I have a beautiful gif of them hugging while Fisher's sitting on the ice. (laughs) But but uh, as Buffalo, I mean, I was a little bit worried in the sense because Paige Thompson did make a return after missing what, 10 games? From injury. So yeah, around that. I was scared because I, coming into the game, he had, I think, was 12 points in 11 games against Detroit. And several of those, several half of those were goals. And we saw the damage. And what was nice, and I think that Lalone maybe had these guys on edge a little bit coming into the game, is he knows how much they got their PP slapped by Buffalo last year. And that was probably front and center with his pregame presser. And I think. He's kind of used that as fuel for these guys in several games so far, like Ottawa, for instance. He's, he talked about how they had their way with them at times last year, and it, it, that's kind of has made its way through the team. Yeah, I, I get that Detroit lost to Ottawa and Sweden, but they beat the hell out of them earlier in the year. And they're going to be playing them here again soon uh, next weekend or this weekend. I'm sorry. And you can tell that there's just that different mindset for this team coming into certain games that they they're. They've got the long memory going right now, and they know that teams were probably overlooking them at points, especially last season. And But the game the game last night, while it almost did get out of hand and Detroit let them claw their way back in way too close, like too easily, if you will, they still held all the win, which in if recent history is anything to look at, old Detroit teams would either let that game go to overtime or somehow lose it in regulation. So. The fact they got ahead, stayed ahead, and and closed the game out, I thought was huge. With big help from Alex Lyon, too. Yes. That was my opinion on that, too. I mean, I, I didn't get to watch the whole game. I watched the from the second period on. Um, and then I watched the highlights this morning, and I just thought to myself while watching the highlights, I'm just like, man, this team really finds a way to, even when they blow a lead to come back and, and, and secure it, or, you know, when, when a team is coming back on them, they're, they're able to um, batten down the hatches, if you will, and just kind of, you know, get that get that next goal to put them ahead. Other than Sweden, uh, and we, we try not to talk about that, that Toronto game, obviously, was one of those games where I feel like they were just kind of out of gas. But overall, man, they've been playing some really good hockey. Yeah, I mean, since Sweden, they're 6-1. and one. They've got 30 goals for, 14 against. Pat face-off percentage is still kind of their Achilles heel at 46%. Uh, power play goals, they're six. They're 10 for 32 on the power play over this seven-game stretch. I think, uh, was it Daniela I saw post or reposted today that Detroit has had one power play goal over their last, like, s- s- during this entire stretch. If I, if I saw that correctly, let me go find that real quick. So they're, they're kind of clicking on all cylinders right now. Yeah, and I mean, that's evident in the 
I guess the final scores, if you if you go back to when we came back from Sweden, and I think everything goes back to Sweden, and even ESPN brought it up last night, that Dylan Larkin came out of that saying, we got to figure out what kind of team we're going to be. And I think they figured it out because they went on to shut out the Devils four to nothing, uh, beat Boston five to two, Minnesota four to one, Ranger lost to the Rangers three to two, but beat That's Chicago five to one. Yeah, but beat Chicago five to one, Montreal five to four and Buffalo five to three. And again, and I'm going to say it again because apparently it's my jinx. There's no way they can sustain four plus goals every game. Yet every time I say that, they get four plus goals six out of seven games. Right now, the Red Wings uh, have 91 goals for where the league average is currently 75. So, I mean, if you're not going to play phenomenal defense, which by the Red by no stretch, the Red Wings have played phenomenal defense. You've got to outscore your opponents. It's the Buffalo method. It's what Buffalo did last season. You have to score in buckets if you're going to win. Now, we do have a better defense than Buffalo had and apparently currently has where we can score four, five, six goals a game, but limit our opponents to three, two, one, zero goals a game. So it's evening out very well. And I think that's why the Red Wings are ahead. I think coaching has a lot to do with it as well. We had mentioned a few games ago where we're like, ah, coaching's made some questionable questionable decisions. And they've still made a few questionable decisions, like continuing to trot Petrie Sherrod out there as they fall over each other. And like literally we watched Stone Cops. <laughs> was it this last game where Petrie's like Sherrod's coming across the zone and Petrie runs right into him and they fall over each other and there goes yeah, both they, your defensemen? They took each other out in the corner of the of the ice, which led to an immediate scoring chance. And then Petrie destroys a man, which should have been interference, wasn't called. Ben Sherratt goes and high sticks the guy in the face, gets called. So they keep like offsetting each other. Now, they if you break them up, sometimes they have good games. And Ben Sherratt, for what it's worth, has been better this season than last. But it's just the dumbest mistakes at the absolute worst times is what's been happening. So I, I, I mean, I can maybe fault coaching for continually trying to trot that pair out there and hope it works. But other than that, I mean, Derek Lalone has this team firmly in a playoff position. I believe, I mean, in Dom Lucision from The Athletic has the Red Wings at like a 51% chance of making the playoffs. And if he gives us a favor, if his method gives us a favorable chance, you know that the Red Wings are going to make the playoffs at that point because I think Money Puck had us at like 81%. And... I, I that's got to be in part to Derek Lalone's system and how he's working with these guys. And also, I mean, GM of the year, Steve Eiserman for putting Lalone in the position to win. Yeah, well, it's huge to me. You, you kind of started to touch on it, but their goals for right now, league wide, they've got 91. They're second only to Vancouver, who scored 101 goals and they've played two more games. The Detroit's also only allowed 71 goals. And there's several teams that are actually below them, like freaking L.A. has only allowed 51 goals through 22 games, which is incredible. And Boston's at 59. Those are your top two. Detroit sits at 14th in goals allowed. But what's important here is that it's a plus 20 goal, goal differential for Detroit. That's out of this world for where we've been over the last several years, because looking at how I've been trying to keep tabs week to week and how things have looked where we're at through 24 games right now, 14, seven and three, 31 points. 
where we were at through 24 games last season, 12, 7, and 5, 29 points. Our goal differential was a plus one. So that, I think, speaks volumes to where things are kind of sitting right now. And we were really happy with what was going on at this point last year. Because right now, at this point last year, they were sitting fourth in the division. And overall, they were the two, number two wild card, one point, ironically enough, ahead of Florida. But we were a couple points behind. Like I said, we were 29 points. So the, the fact that this team is scoring while also managing to get past what we could argue has been average goaltending, because that's really what we've had up to this point. Lion has been kind of the diamond in the rough in a way, but he looked human, I think, last game. So our, our defense also just did not help him out for the most part. And that's kind of been the story. But the fact that we are scoring goals and the way that the offense and the power play, for instance, which I found it, it was NHL Network that posted it. They've had one plus power play goals in each of the last seven games. So the fact that they're on such a, a burner for the power play, which they've gotten that back up to at 23%, I think I saw it was. So they're back in the top 10. 23.5%, ninth in the league. Yeah, back inside the top 10 for that, but the PK still struggles. That, that one stayed, that's been hovering right around 78, 79%. Right now they're sitting at 78, and that puts them good enough for 20th in the league. If they can get that number back up into the 80s, we're going to be in a really good position moving forward. But what's still important, like you said, they're number two in the division. Likely going to get jumped again by Florida tonight because they just don't want to die. But it is what it is. Just keep doing enough to keep yourself afloat and keeping yourself, I think, ahead of your pace right now from last season because that's that, I think, is the good bar up until all-star break to see where thing actually really through the end of this month is going to be vital because that's where we're still having a warm and fuzzy Huso was still looking fantastic and then the wheels kind of fell off so how this month progresses is going to be pretty wild to watch yeah i think a lot of it also has to do with and we bring it back to goaltending and we say well Huso's not been great and reimer made some really dumb decisions but league average goaltending right now uh league average safe percentage is 0.899 the Red Wings safe percentage right now is 0.903. So the Red Wings have above average goaltending technically. And if you look at shooting percentage where we're scoring a ton of goals, uh, the Red Wings shooting percentage right now is at 12.6% where league average is 10.1. That leads to more goals for your team. So it's like all of the stats that matter as a team are going in the Red Wings direction, which leads to winning. And again, I have to give credit to coaching. So I put up a poll. It said, if the Red Wings continue this pace and make the playoffs, should Derek Lalone get some consideration for the Jack Adams? With 1,193 votes, 94% of people said yes. Only 6% said no. And it would be something because you're taking the Red Wings from a bottom of the barrel team to, like I said, right now tied for third in the conference currently um, in one season. And again, it's with a lot of off-season additions that Steve Eiserman made, but it's Derek Lalone putting them in a, in a system, giving them the minutes, synergizing, and then just saying, go out and do the thing, and they go out and do the thing. So there's been some slow starts. I feel like if you could start every game the way you started that Buffalo game, you'd win more nights than not. I mean, they were Buffalo all over game, Buffalo. The Boston game. Like, all over. The Minnesota game. A lot of those games. Were, I mean. 
they've got I feel like they've gotten better at starting on time. It's obvious in that New York game too, uh, even though they blew it in the end. I mean, the fact that we're able to get out in front and actually I think they all played the Rangers for about a quarter of that game anyways, um, mm-hmm. maybe a, even a bit more than that. And then they kind of gave it up. But the Chicago game was pretty dominant from the beginning, uh, even though they're horrific. They're not a good hockey team at all. So Bedard is fun to watch, though. He definitely keeps shining through and it's it's hard to not continue to follow the hype. No, but he's oh, got absolutely baby syndrome. I find myself even like, obviously, I hate the Hawks and, you know, for reasons rivalries and other things but um you know i find myself if the hawks are on and i'm watching another game and there's there's a hawks game on i'll i'll flip over to it just to see what's going on with it i mean he is absolutely fun to watch i'm not sure that he's quite mcdavid to watch yet um but i'm i'm sure you know what i mean like he's a still much watch tv you see him on the tv you're watching the game and i love that the red wings made him cry he was punching he the was bench so and breaking pissed. sticks and over there in the corner crying. And, but he, it was cool that like uh, David Prawn took his kid out of school early to meet Connor Bedard and Bedard like took a picture with him. So uh, the kids like him. I'm sure that's like one thing too, like that, that Connor Bedard, like as young as he is and like he probably remembers going to his first NHL game or not going to his Yeah, first it was NHL like two game, years ago. He, Right. Me- meeting his favorite like NHL player of all time, if he has, you know what I mean? Like, that's like one of those things when, you know, you're a young player in the NHL and, and a, a established player in the NHL's kid, like, looks up to you like, wow, that, that this, is, this is where I'm at in, in terms of how popular he is already. And, and he's only going to get po- more popular, I feel like. And I'll tell you one thing right now, the people that say that this Bedard hype is going to die down. No, it's not. The Hawks are a terrible team, and this the hype is just as big as ever. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but what we're going to do real quick is we're going to take a quick commercial break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about the stat cards for the most three recent games. We're going to talk a little bit about Robbie Fabry and his effect on the team. But don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Red Wings fans, you can bet the action on the ice with DraftKings Sportsbook. And now that Patrick Kane is in Detroit, those odds might just be getting better. Download the app now and use code THPN. New customers can get 150 bucks instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on hockey. That's code THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2003. All rights reserved. You know that the second October is over and November hits, the holiday season gets into full swing. We take down the pumpkins, break out the Mariah Carey, and do a lot of shopping. It may be too early to start decorating for the holidays, but it's never too early to start your holiday shopping. Why not take care of it now before the crowds and packed calendars make shopping a total nightmare? especially when you can get some of the best deals of the season well before Black Friday. You can shop Raycon products right now and save up to 50% because their early Black Friday sale is going on now. 
You've heard me talk about Raycon products before, how their audio products provide great sound quality and battery life, and that they're moving into the home space with things like air purifiers and water purifiers. But Raycon first made a name for themselves in the audio space with products like their everyday earbuds known for delivering high quality and thoughtful features like 32-hour battery life and a perfect in-ear fit for all-day wear and lasting comfort. In this past year, they expanded their entire business with the introduction of Raycon Home and Raycon Power Tech. Their faucet filter ultra filters the water in your tap against chlorine and heavy metals. It's a must-have for ensuring the water you use to wash your face and brush your teeth is, you know, actually clean. Raycon is known for delivering high-quality and thoughtful features at half the price of other premium tech brands. It's no wonder their products have racked up tens of thousands of five-star reviews. To get everyone in the holiday shopping spirit a bit early, Raycon is currently offering 20% off everything on their site with select products up to 50% off. So beat the crowds and save now. Trust me, you do not want to miss out on Raycon's early Black Friday sale. Hurry now to buyraycon.com THPN to get 20 to 50% off site-wide. That's buyraycon.com THPN to score up to 50% off Raycon products. Buyraycon.com THPN. And we're back, and we're going to do a little bit of stat card looking and then we're going to talk about Robbie Fabry and uh we'd already talked about the Buffalo game but I'm gonna throw a stat card up on the screen uh your best player by and I wouldn't say a mile because Robbie Fabry's right there at second was Dylan Larkin Dylan Larkin gets two goals in that game um he almost died I mean he almost was killed on the ice with a cross check right to the back uh which I would have called boarding but the NHL doesn't seem to care um but we're gonna fine I guess Jake Wallman for an accidental high stick but uh, Dylan Larkin, he gets two goals, and he was all over the ice. But your top players that game are Dylan Larkin, Robbie Fabry, Michael Rasmussen, Mo Sider, who looked like vintage Mo, Shane Gossespierre, and Jeff Petrie. Your bottom player is Ben Sherratt, uh, followed by Christian Fisher, Clem Costin, Daniel Sprong, JT Confer, Joe Valeno. This was a game for just the guys who show up to show up, and they did, and they did in a big way, like we said, right off the jump. They were all over the Buffalo Sabres. And uh, the middle of the game, not so great. They let their foot off the gas. They let Buffalo mm-hmm. come back, um, like is evident in the score. But I think the guys that you needed to show up absolutely showed up during that game, um, especially Dylan Larkin after coming back from just absolutely awful circumstances. I wonder if that was, this is obviously pure speculation. I wonder if he had like a, a Charlie horse or something kick in with his back the way that he was like disappeared. And then all of a sudden he's now reemerged and looking skating fought. Like he didn't look like it was bothering him at all. He's going out there skating hard, still going up into a battle. And then he also obviously had the late goal to ice it. But I wonder if that was overall the case. Cause I mean, getting hit in that spot with a cross check or elbow, a hard hit, whatever you kind of want to call it. I don't think it was actually a cross check, but the way it was done, you could easily have called checking from behind. And probably should have been called, but that's, you know, a fantastic us versus them and them being the the officials and our guys getting hit square in the numbers and having no call being made along the boards. But it is what it is. But no, I mean, overall, that was just great effort. And I think they kind of they died a little bit when he left the ice and then they were definitely rejuvenated with his return. But Buffalo really did turn it on. And it scared me because it kind of was starting to be a repeat of of the Montreal game. You can't take penalties against these teams. Like, you, you, I, I mean, I, I understand, like, the, obviously the Larkin thing is, is certainly a factor and you lose your captain for a little bit. But, like, you, you cannot take penalties in this league and survive. You cannot do it. You cannot 
put teams on the power play. And I know sometimes you you get unlucky and you take a penalty, and that's when the boys rally and, and you're on the bench and you're just like, you know what, let's kill this thing off. But you can't continue to do that and shoot yourself in the foot. And I feel like that's what they did in this game. And it almost led to Buffalo coming back and winning the game, or at least tying it. So um, while they do get credit for, for you know, securing it down and, and getting that empty net goal um, and, and obviously not letting them tie it, they, they need to do a better job of not taking penalties. The league is too talented to put teams like Buffalo on the power play. And even Montreal the other night, you can't put teams like those on the power play and think you're going to come out victorious. And yes, the Wings have come out victorious in, what, six of their last seven games now. Um, so whatever, but again, you start playing these teams like Boston. I know the wings have dominated Boston the last two, two games, but what was the first, the the first game that that I went to, um, the game in Boston, Detroit took a lot of penalties. You can't take a lot of penalties in this league and survive. That that was one of those games though. I, you get, they, they get credit for holding it down and winning the game. Um, honestly an important game because Buffalo is one of those teams below them. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of what my opinion is on that buff game. Um, what was the thing that Joe Valeno was wearing on the back of his neck? I have no was idea it, what you're talking about. I saw, cause I, like I said, I only watched the second and third period. Um, I think it was in the first period they showed him like from behind and he had like some like red thing on his back with a bunch of white on it. I don't know if it was a cut or if it was like a. I don't know what it was. Very strange. That's a mystery, Tyler. I have no idea what you're talking you're about. You're going to need to find that and send it. You know what no. it might have been? It might have been like KT tape. Like one of the, like, you know, like the tape. Let me go back no and idea. screenshot it and see if I can. No find idea. It. Trying to find that. I don't know what you're talking about. The Montreal game, uh, the Red Wings win five to four in overtime. Again, a game that had zero business going to overtime. Absolutely no business going to overtime. Now the Red Wings did win. And Jake Wallman is an absolute stud. And Wallman and Sider, as you can see from the stat card, were your top two players in that game, followed by Daniel Sprong. Christian Fisher makes the top five with Jeff Petrie, followed by Alex Debrinkit. Your bottom players, Robbie Fabry, David Perron, Justin Hull, Shane Gossespair, Andrew Kopp. And uh, Alex Debrinkit had two points in this game. Christian Fisher had a point. Sprong had two. Wallman had two. Uh, Larkin had an assist. Uh, Rasmussen had an assist. Lucas Raymond had an assist. Mo Sider had two. This is a game where depth scoring was important. And you got your depth scoring in this game. Again, Michael Rasmussen almost got a goal. And then it turned into a Christian Fisher rebound goal. Short-handed, mind you. Yeah, and it's a game, though, where you let them come back. And I think this was a game also where we got what what would have been considered... Was it two shorthanded goals or was that last game was considered two shorthanded goals? Buffalo. For in the game? Yeah, I think it was Buffalo. The the empty net, I think, was considered a shorthand because we were on a power or they were on a power play. Yes, it was shorthanded in that game. Yeah. So this the Montreal game, though, again, it it was a good game, but Mm -hmm. you let them come back. Yeah, you jumped out to a huge 3-0 lead and then you let them score with seven seconds to go in the first period. And it just kind of flipped it on its head for a bit. It's the deflator. You let in that deflating goal in like the world's like if you would have if you would have closed out the first period with that lead, you carry that momentum in. 
You let them come back with a goal, you get deflated when that happens. Again, though, you won. You found a way to win. You found a way to score five goals. The overtime was excellent. And this is a team that you should beat. The Canadians, though their record may not 100% tell the story, are not a good team. Playing decent, but it's they're yeah. kind of like where Detroit was at this point last year, where you're not really sure what you're getting night in and night out. Yeah, but you won. So you beat them. It's one of your six of seven. And uh, you'll beat the Montreal Canadiens. The other, the other game, like we had said, uh, the Detroit Red Wings made the Chicago Blackhawks look like a peewee team. Uh, it is what you are supposed to do to a team like the Chicago Blackhawks. You make sure Bedard can't score, and then your team should win. That's that should be the way it is. And the Red Wings beat the Blackhawks five to one, with your top performers being Robbie Fabry, J.T. Comfer, Mo Sider, Alex Brinkett, Lucas Raymond. And JT Comfer, again, we talked about him. Uh, 877 goals now has been phenomenal. Uh, one of the best additions to the team in the offseason. The way that he's helping this team right now this season, I think is better than anyone really could have predicted. And it's taking a huge burden off of other guys. So, i.e., Larkin, um, David Perron, for instance, who, who I feel like they have a very similar style of play. In terms of they can go do it, get that net front presence going on. He's good along the boards. Again, really tie a guy up there and make stuff happen. He can put a body on, but he's also, he's got a finesse about him when he is in tight around the net or he can be backed off and fire the puck at it. So he's been our, I think, probably arguably the best uh, big tipper on the team in terms of shots coming at him and get the, get the redirect on as well. So he's doing a little bit of everything on top of being strong defensively and yeah let's see what face-off percentage i've been stalling a little bit to try to get to that point only problem here is that he's at a 46 percent really majority of the team has been terrible you got joe volano's at 48 andrew cop finally got himself to back up to 50 percent, so that's good news and then larks is sitting at 52 so Still more to be desired in that sense, because I think the team average right now is what 48, 49 percent in terms of faceoff draws, which I still think, and especially in the defensive zone, has been very much hurting them. And it's been crushing the PK because more often than not, I can think of a, a time where they're losing that draw and it's leading to a huge scoring chance against or goal. So outside of that aspect of it, you, you really can't be upset. And he's shooting at a 19.4 percent clip. And he has the best nicknames on the team. Uh, Comps, 877 goals now, and Jimothy Timothy. Uh, the best, hands down, best nicknames on the team. But again, it's, it goes back to depth scoring, I think, too, and, and depth points. He's got 19 points in 24 games right now. And if you look up and down the lineup, the, the story is pretty similar for a lot of these guys all the way through the lineup, where the Red Wings may not have a, a top... I think they said the Red Wings don't right now have like a top 10 like in goal scoring, but they've got their top 10 in goals because it's just they're coming from everywhere. There's such a division of points on this team. And it's one thing that we talked about before the the season started is that if the Red Wings are going to be successful, they need to have depth in the lineup. They need to have scoring from every line. They need to have guys that can step it up when the first line's not clicking or when the second line's not clicking, that's been guys like Valeno. That's been uh, JT Comfer has been able to put some goals in. Uh, David Perron was hot for a while. So we've got guys that are not named Dylan Larkin and Alex Dabrinkit 
that are putting the puck in the net. And I think the guy I want to kind of highlight is Robbie Fabry, who right now in 12 games played, which is a lot for Robbie Fabry, 12 games played, has eight goals and three assists for 11 points. Uh, His Corsi numbers are not the greatest, but right now he is shooting at a 40% clip. Uh, He has taken 20 shots on goal and eight of them have gone in. He's only averaging 13 minutes and 20 seconds of ice time a night. And his faceoff percentage is four. He's taken, uh, let's see, he's won three, lost four faceoffs. He's at a 42.9%. Fabry doesn't take a lot of faceoffs. He's out there putting the puck in. And the guy's got one of the higher finishing percentages in the league. And we had always said, if Robbie Fabry can stay healthy, what I had said is if Robbie Fabry's healthy and the team is good, Robbie Fabry should be a third liner on this team. That's the way it should be. But he flexed up to first line last game with Dylan Larkin and Lucas Raymond, absolutely not out of place at all. So Robbie Fabry, very flexible, um, but again, is scoring at just a phenomenal rate that I don't think is sustainable, but he's doing it. So just keep doing it, I guess. The fact that he's giving you anything right now is gravy because, you know, we we didn't think that, you know, he was going to even be able to stay in the lineup because, you know, obvious situations and how how he's been over the last couple of years in and out of the lineup and, you know, when he is in there, he's he he produces for the most part when he's in there. You know, he usually plays pretty well when he's when he's in there. But it's a matter of when he's in there. And, you know, a lot of the times it's not a whole lot. So uh, it's interesting to see how well he's playing right now. Um, it seems like when he's got the puck on his stick with an opportunity, he's putting it in. So that's a good thing. And honestly, like you said, the production is coming from everywhere. They don't have a 20-goal score or an 18-goal score. You know, uh, Brinkett has 13, but uh, the next highest is Larkin with 10. So the scoring is coming from everywhere, as you kind of alluded to. Um, hopefully that can continue, or or one of those one of those bigger dogs like Larkin or Dabrinkit or even Kane coming soon um, will be able to kind of, you know, lead that and, and get to that 20 or 30 or even 40 goal mark at some point but uh it's interesting to see where where all the points are coming from and and how it's really a team effort i know people always say like it's got to be more of a team effort but that they're really doing that yeah and what i like about fabry right now yes we think i've done the math on it he's played in what 60 percent of the games since he's been with detroit which is not good but when he's out there, like you said, the impact is 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 visible. And he's at 11 points in 12 games right now. He's already almost hit his point total from last season, which he had over 26, 28 games, which was 16 points. So he's already passed his goal total from last year. So anything from here on out is basically just, okay, keep going, man. You do you. But what I really appreciate up to this point is they actually mentioned it during the broadcast last night, but Alex to right now is on pace to have a 40 plus goal season. But you got to go a long ways back. I want to say was it Hosa was our last 40 goal scorer. Yep. In 2009. Wasn't that the year that they had over three, uh, over four 30 goal scorers. That was Datsuk, Zetterberg, Bronson and Hosa. And I think Hosa was the one with 40. And all the other guys had over 30. 08, 09, Stanley. Let's see, the Red Wings, they had Hosa with 40, Franzen 34. They had four guys over 30 goals. 
Bronson had 34, Datsuk had 32, Zetterberg 31, and then you had Yuri Hudder with 23. You had three guys, your top three scorers all had 70 or more points. All right, now, I'm nice. obviously, we're not going to have a replication of that because Datsuk had what probably should have been a art or a MVP caliber season that he got snubbed out on, but that, that's a different story. But what's huge is that if you have DeBrinket going at this pace and now you're getting ready to add a Patrick Kane to the fold, we could have our first 40 goal scorer in what feels like forever. And I, I think that's going to be huge for what this team can do as a whole because, yes, we just talked about the depth, but now you have someone that's also hitting that individual accolade on top of all the depth pieces that's going on. You're knocking on that door or knocking that door down for the playoffs. Tyler, I see the picture you dropped in there. Yes, that is tape on Joe Valeno. Uh, makes him look like a zebra. He looks like one of those cars, you know, where they put the like crazy stuff on the new model car when people drive it around to test it so no one can figure out what it is. That's like kind of looks... gross. I hate it. I hate <laughs> looking at it. <laughs> that's what looks uh, like is on Joe Valeno's neck. Yeah, that's just athletic tape. That's what it, it looks is. like a cut or something. Like, that's what I thought it was. It looks like he's possibly a lizard person. Yeah, that's yeah. what it looks like. So strange. It's almost like I don't even like, I don't even know. I don't know how to explain it, but I don't like looking at it. It's like kind of grosses me out. It's uh, what's the trick, trick, trichophobia or something where you like have a weird fear of like holes in people's skin and stuff. It's like gives me the heebie jeebies a little bit. Yeah, it's it's a it's a fear of weird skin things. So that's, yeah, it's just tape, though. That's what's on Joe. And, you know, it's ironic, too, the fact that we're just talking about Marion Hosa and he had to retire because of something like that. So, Trypophobia. What the hell? The strong fear of closely packed holes. Yeah, so there's these flowers, the lotus flower, um, if you search it. It is the flower itself is cool, but people will Photoshop that onto like someone's arm or something, and it just freaks people out. Like, really freaks people out. What triggers it? Lotus seed pods, honeycombs, strawberries, coral, yeah. seeded breads, Swiss cheese, scabs or lesions on the skin. See, gross. Aluminum metal foam. So that's what people are. People are afraid of this, and it is a thing. So I'm sorry if you have Hunges. this fear. Um, but don't look at the picture of Joe Valeno. I guess. I guess. Here's I the fun one. Put it at the end. A cluster of eyes. Yeah. See, like Eye Guy from Power Rangers. <laughs> but that's what Joe Valeno has on. It's athletic tape. Um, I think what before we end the episode today because we're like way off the rails. Um, I want to talk a little bit about what we expect from Patrick Kane, and we'll keep this real short. Uh, not just this game because I don't expect anything from Patrick Kane game one. I expect him to skate like effectively get back to skating and start to get up to speed, kick off the rust, get the spider webs out and just skate and don't be a liability. That's all I expect out of Patrick Kane. Now, my expectations for the rest of the season for Patrick Kane is if Patrick Kane could put up 30 points, I'd be a very happy person, I think. I think my goal for Patrick Kane in the remaining was it 56 games, so 55 games, something like that? That if Patrick Kane can get 30 to 35 points, I'll be happy person. So I want your Patrick Kane kind of expectations and then your sign-off. And we're going to start with Tyler. A hundred points. No, I'm just kidding. God damn it, um, Tyler. <laughs> the showtime is coming back. No. Um. Yeah, anywhere from 30 to 40 points, I mean, I think would be amazing. I mean, that would be like, 
amazing. 20 goals, 20 assists, something like that. 10 goals, 30 assists, something like that would be great. I think Patrick Kane, yeah, he's a goal scorer, but I think he's a good facilitator too. Um, and, you know, with the Brinkett and, and them rekindling that magic that they had in Chicago, um, if you want to call it that, is something that, I mean, I think everyone is kind of looking forward to to see if we can we can rekindle that. Now, the interesting thing will be to see how his, you know, injured um, a, a surgery holds up because, I mean, Nicholas Backstrom had to retire, Ed Jovanovsky had to retire, uh, and there was one other player that had to retire as well. Um, there was that tennis player that became even better after the surgery, so I guess there is that. And the technology Andy is getting better. I guess we'll have to see what happens. Is that who it was, Andy Murray? Yeah. So I guess we'll see what yep. happens. Um, but uh, you can follow me on Twitter at SealDog91. I'm yeah, I, I'm how many games do we have left? 60? Under 60. So like 58, something like that. I mean, if you've got him putting up 35, 40 points in that, that even that might be a low ball because, but that I think that'd be your best case scenario. Because you know that he's going to surpass guys on this team at, at that point. And he'd be on pace to be little. It'd probably be Andrew Kopp numbers or JT Comfer-like numbers that you're looking at in terms of what they've done over the last several years. Let me see. I don't want to completely misspeak here. But you have like a JT Comfer who had 52 points last season. That was his career high. I mean, if you're pacing at that right now for coming off the injury that you did have and coming into a brand new team quarter over more than quarter way into the season, I think you'll be in a, in, a, in a damn good spot. And that also means that you're, again, you're driving some depth scoring, which potentially he could be, he looks like he might be starting on the second line tomorrow night. Yeah, sounds like he should be with uh, Alex Dabrinkit and what Derek Lalone says is our rotating centers. They don't yep. know who they want to be his center yet. That'll be interesting because I think the initial thought when we saw them skating the other day is that it was going to be Debrinket and they had Joe Valeno with them, but that was mainly because JT Comfer had a maintenance day. So I would love to see them with Larkin at some point. That would be just fun to see how that could click. But, but no, I mean, the, what I'm looking forward to is how he can help drive the offense. We already know that they're putting the puck in the net and they're doing it well. We already know that the power play is clicking at all cylinders right now. They're at a 23.5% click, top 10 of the league. Fantastic. Can he improve that? Because if he helps improve your special teams especially, that's going to really help this team. And I know that's just for a lack of better words, but that is what you're going to need to try to push this team toward the playoffs is your specialties to really increase. now doesn't help the PK. I get that. But if you're putting the puck in the net, as we're start, as we're seeing with this team, you're going to tr- likely win a hockey game. And I was looking back, he's had a five goal, five seasons in his career where he scored, thir- scored 30 goals or more. Rest of that all on the assist chart. So if he's again, facilitating, whether that's to it, whether it's a defenseman like Mo Sider or Gosses there, whoever's back there, like that's what's going to be important because you can already tell in the reactions from the guys in, in interviews to this point that they, the hockey smarts and the skill, it's, it's still there. And if that's going to ooze into the rest of the team, especially if he's helping them other guys score, there's your depth scoring. It's just going to be the trickle-down effect 
And it's going to put the, this is obviously best case scenario for us across the board, but that's what you're hoping for. If he somehow comes out in his first several games and he's getting point per game out of it, even better. But to be determined. I'm just excited because I will be there tomorrow night, part of our season ticket package, and we will be able to see the debut. I'm 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 most intrigued to see how the crowd's going to be because there's been different moments throughout the last two years where there's been real excitement at times. And I think it's going to bring a different buzz and show and for how well the team has played since coming back from Sweden. It's going to be an extra layer on top of that. They got the next two games at home tomorrow night was or tomorrow was San Jose. Very winnable game, even though they have played well of late. And then they've got Ottawa on Saturday which is going to be an emotional bout. And you know those dickheads are going to be going after Kane. So it's going to be very interesting to see how Detroit handles it. Already ran 33. Nice. Uh, Just before I close out, I just want to let everyone know that there is a huge sale happening right now on our merch shop. So if you go to redbubble.com and search the grind line, you will find our stuff. I will also drop a link. Actually, if you go to our link tree, uh, go to X or Twitter or whatever you want to call it, find our link tree. It is in our bio. Uh, our merch shop is linked there, and everything right now is up to 40% off. So go get the shirts, do some Christmas shopping. I've got a new one that says National Announcers versus Detroit Hockey. It's selling well because the National Announcers can suck it. They are absolutely terrible, and they, for some reason, hate our team. Um, but we'll give a shout-out to the Hockey Podcast Network at HockeyPodNet for hosting us and spreading us around. Vintage Detroit, which is the only place you should get your Detroit jerseys from and worked on. Howie's Hockey Tape, where if you use the promo code GRINDLINE, you'll get 10% off. Bring Hockey Back, same promo code, you get 12% off. And uh, go to YouTube. Look at our pretty faces. Like and subscribe. Uh, We have content that comes out every week. And uh, more if there's other news during the season, which probably heats up around trade deadline time. Because if they they sign Patrick Kane, Iserman is most likely going to be a buyer at the trade deadline. So we'll see what happens there. Um, But that's going to do it for us tonight. So for Ryan and Tyler, I am Greg. You stay classy, Rocky Town.